I'm very driven by beautiful, functional items because there are basic things that you need. They should be beautiful. You need a quilt to stay warm. Well, why shouldn't it be beautiful? Like you need a bowl to eat your cereal in or whatever. It should be beautiful. I feel really strongly about elevating ordinary things that you already need into things that will last, things that you would keep, things that are just present in your everyday life. Because I, I feel strongly about injecting <laughs> our dim world and atmosphere and all of these things with things that bring light. Welcome to Hello Atelier. I'm your host, Betsy Blodgett, and with me is producer Jonathan Getz. Hello, and welcome to the first episode of season four. Yes, after a little hiatus. In our gardens. So much gardening. But we are happy to be back in the podcast saddle with a new season's worth of artists, makers, and creators, starting with the designer Lizzie House. I really appreciated Lizzie's thoughts there on making the mundane objects in our lives beautiful. Elevating functional pieces to also be visually appealing can heighten the little moments of our day. I know that my lunch is more enjoyable when eaten out of a handmade ceramic bowl. You know, Lizzie herself has recently started working with ceramics, though she is likely best known for her fabric design work with Andover Fabrics. Lizzie was an early proponent of the modern fabric movement, which brought bright, whimsical color to the quilt world. I want to get back for a moment to Lizzie's comments. I feel like, though it hasn't necessarily been articulated by everyone, that drive to bring beauty to everyday items is an undercurrent to the work of many of the artists that we've interviewed. I agree, to an extent. Not all of our interviewees have been makers of functional items, but I do think that the idea of bringing an item into your home that has been handmade, something that you know someone has taken time and care to make and that you love to look at, can add depth to your living space. And little moments of joy to the day. One of the most intriguing aspects of an artist to me is that drive to design, to make something that can affect someone's life, which is a powerful thing. What we forget is that the artist can also be changed by others' reactions to their work. As we will soon hear, Lizzie's design sent her on a teaching tour of the world that brought her face-to-face with hundreds of students and experience that touched her life. Well, I think it's time to listen to Lizzie's story. Take it away, Lizzie. From the time I was little, my mom made a lot of our clothing. She sewed and... I just never liked anything. So we looked and looked and looked, and then finally we found something that I did like, and it was just like a white background with blue bows, like just these blue, I mean, it worked for me. Like I totally loved it. And so because we had looked at so much fabric that I didn't like, when we found something that I did like, I asked my mom, how did this get on here? And she said, somebody put it there. And I said, I will put it there. I'm going to be the one who puts it there, like who will do this. And I was six. For so much of my life, I just told, you know, people are like, what are you going to do when you grow up? And I'm like, I'm going to design fabric. And they're like, I don't know what that means. (laughs) And then even after I was designing fabric, people are like, what do you do? I'm like, I design fabric. And they're like, I don't know what that means. And so my entire life, just this misunderstanding of what I was doing with my life. 
my artwork, like from the time that I was little, like forever has always been very densely pattern based. Pattern is always a major aspect of the imagery that I create. And so as a child, I was creating patterns. I didn't know how to put something in repeat. I didn't know like technical things, but I was creating patterns on everything that I did. And when I was in the, I think it was the seventh grade, I contacted a fabric manufacturer because my mom, Sherry House, she's a quilter. And so we spent a lot of time in fabric stores because we are from Houston. There were tons and tons of fabric stores and they were all really spread out. So we spent so much time driving to all of these fabric stores and I recognized that they everyone was carrying all of the same stuff and even if it wasn't the same it all looked the same it was all thimble berries none of it spoke to me at all and so I'm like I gotta I gotta get on this in the seventh grade (laughs) And so I I contacted a fabric manufacturer and my mom is like feeding words to me because I don't know what any of these words are like, do you accept new designer submissions? How old is a seventh grader? 11? You don't know those words. (laughs) And then when they're like, we are currently, what, what would you say your fabric looks like predominantly? Is it geometric or floral? And I like hold my hand over the phone and I was like, is it geometric or floral? She goes, it's geometric. It's geometric. Like, <laughs> so, um, it was just always a part of my thinking. It was just always, I knew the thing that I wanted didn't exist. And that if I wanted it, that probably somebody else wanted it. Like if it was missing completely, completely from what was available, then I might be able to fill a need. That's the kind of thinker that I am. From a very young age, I was like, there is a hole in this industry and I want to fill it. I, so I had a line of fabric out before I graduated from college because I was just not backing down. Like I just wasn't, I could not let it go. Like it is something that actually like kept me up. And so at 20 years old, I designed my first line of fabric that I showed to manufacturers. And then by 21, I had designed the first line that became Lizzie Dish. I had always sewn, but I never really made quilts until I had fabric coming out because I was like, because the thing that I did know from having spent years in a fabric store was that there were specific things that you needed to make a line of fabric work and that there needed to be enough size, variety, color of shape of all of these things to actually be able to use an entire line together. I needed to know how the fabric would be used best. I need to be able to show people how to use this. And so that is when I started quilting. It was something that I like quickly really fell in love with. I The first quilt that I ever really made um, was right after my cat had died. I just didn't know what to do with myself. Like I didn't know what, how I was supposed to feel or how I was supposed to process it. And I just felt this overwhelming sense of needing to make something. And so my mom took all of the fabric that we had collected over the years of going to stores. That was mine, um, mostly Amy Butler, because that's what existed. And it was amazing. Gypsy Caravan. Um, and I made my first quilt 
And so after that, after making that and it being so cathartic and so healing, I was like, I get it. I get why people do this. I get why this, not only like, will this thing keep me warm and served this greater purpose of helping me to heal from this loss, but I understand why this is a tradition that we pass down and that we share and that we teach. And so Lizzie finally accomplished her lifelong dream of being a fabric designer. But then what? To make a livable income, many designers must diversify their work. And in the fabric world, the most logical next step is to make sewing patterns. But Lizzie soon realized that her creative path would take her a different direction. Pretty early on, I decided not to do patterns because I think what happens with a lot of designers, as I'm sure you've seen, is that you start designing fabric and then you start designing quilts and then you release a line of patterns and then you teach classes and then you there's like this track. This, there's like this designer track that this is how you make money as a designer. And I recognized that it wasn't, it just wasn't the way for me and that I didn't have to, I didn't have to fit onto somebody else's track and that I could make all of it work for me however worked best for me and that was my meadow quilt in 2012 I designed a line of fabric called hello pilgrim or it came out in 2012 and so I had to design a quilt for it and I I could see what I wanted it to be, like I knew I knew what it was supposed to be, and I didn't know how to get there. And so I, I'm a religious person, but so I, I was like, I have to do this thing. I don't know how to do this thing. Please help. <laughs> At the time, I was falling asleep a lot from anxiety. <laughs> so I would, I would wake up and I would know the next thing. And then I would fall asleep and then I would wake up and know the next thing. And this happened over like a two week period until I had my quilt, which is pretty wild. And then once I knew how to make that block, then I didn't know how to arrange it. And so I worked with it for like an entire day, like sat at my computer for an entire day, pushing it around, moving it around. It was one of those things I was like, is this wrong or just hard? Because I think that's a really, it's a, that's a fine line. Is this a terrible idea or is it just challenging, you know? And it was just challenging. But then it just kind of clicked into place and it, and then I went to write the pattern and I, I couldn't. It was the most incredible thing <laughs> for a month. And so I've written patterns. I can write a pattern. Like that's not a thing. That's, that's fine. It just wasn't right. It was like a total stupor of thought, like could not write this pattern. And I was like, I'm going to stop trying. I'm just going to stop trying. I'm going to let this be for now. And then um, Karen uh, Valino, one of my best friends, she owns the workroom. She was like, I want you to teach that at my shop. And I, I was like, I don't know. And then it just, it just made so much sense. I'm like, this is a quilt I teach. And for me, that's like the most important part of all of it is not that I hand you a piece of paper and you figure it out, is that I, that I can sit with you and that I can tell you that you're doing a good job, you know, um, and that 
it's all good. <laughs> like that it's, you're doing great. And so it then just, it just had this amazing life. And I had an amazing life with it for like five years. I taught it. I, I got to make this quilt that had so much meaning to me with other people. I got to share that meaning. And so it wasn't so much about the quilt is beautiful. Like it's a lovely quilt, but it was, it became so much more about the experience. And then in a way it became kind of a performance. And so every part of it was my work and my art. And so putting it on a paper pattern felt like it, it took away from what it was. I'm so happy to make it with people. Like I said, it meant so much to me to be with all of these women all over the world, hundreds and hundreds of women, like, um, and a, a handful of gentlemen. And so it, it was mine. It was mine to share. And how has working closely with the students affected your own work? I don't know. I, I think the biggest thing is that I have, I am amazed at, I don't know how to say it, like, I have been able to grow so much in love and in patience and in charity with meeting people from all different spaces and walks of life and experiences. And um, I've just been so moved by people's willingness to sacrifice to participate. That's what I've learned. Like, I want to bring that same kind of love and I want to bring that same kind of sacrifice and that same kind of charity to the people that I work with, however that looks, like wherever that goes. Lizzie was a pioneer of a new wave of bright, colorful fabric design in the quilting industry. Over the last decade, fabric companies have been snapping up fresh young designers, creating an endless cascade of beautiful fabric. While that doesn't necessarily sound like a problem for the consumer, the market saturation has had a negative effect on nearly everybody else. In all honesty, there's a major piece of me that the entire time that I was making fabric, like while I was accomplishing this thing that I had always wanted to do, I also recognized and could deeply feel that I was contributing to a kind of consumerism that I don't condone. And I have to be like really honest about that and acknowledge that it didn't, it didn't align with me. I think that there's too much stuff now. I mean, this is something that a lot of people have talked about and I've talked with like just ad nauseum with people about um, what we feel like the solutions are and what it is, is that the fabric companies like need to sit down at a table and say this, we can't go at this space. Because the thing is, is that it is not sustainable for anyone. It's not sustainable for the designers. It's not sustainable for the manufacturers. It's not sustainable for the stores. And it's certainly not sustainable for the end user and the consumer. Take a popular line of fabric. It has 36 skews in it. So you get a fat quarter or even an eighth of a yard of 36 pieces of fabric. Well, they come out with six collections a year. What are you going to do with all of that? Are you supposed to have 800 fat quarters within three years? It's too much. It's too much. And so if each manufacturer only released like 30 stellar, completely stellar lines of fabric a year, then people would really have something to choose from. 
and to dig into. Then stores could produce samples. Then by forcing that pace to slow down instead of feeding this hungry ghost, I think eventually everyone would make more money and everyone would, it would become sustainable. After years of fulfilling her dream of being a fabric designer, Lizzie realized that it was time to take a break. The nonstop pace of designing and teaching had taken its toll, and after a period where she focused on rest, Lizzie searched for something to help reawaken her creativity. I felt like I had some serious burnout to recover from, and I had a really hard time coming out of that. And so I started... (laughs) I started using essential oils for like emotional support. Um, and that was really, really powerful. And af- like when I did that, then I was able to, I was able to start making again. It's like it, it brought me back to myself. And then I was able to go after these things that I had always wanted, just always wanted to do, but it's really hard to do ceramics on an airplane so there were a lot of things that I wanted to do that, that just didn't make sense and weren't the right time. And then after I, after I said, for me, this is not sustainable. It's not bringing me joy anymore. And I've done good work and I need, I need to give it a rest. Like I just need to let it be for a little bit. And as the industry stands right now, it will be a very long rest. As Lizzie embarks on her new creative practice, we came back to the idea of hard versus wrong. And I asked her how often she had to remind herself that art comes from work, and what work is worth it, and what work isn't. I think pretty often, like, especially when you're digging into something new, like into something that is different, into something that you know needs to become, then you really have to work through kind of that pain because it is a growing pain for you because you have to grow through it to the point that it does start working. But I think also you do have to be honest enough with yourself. You have to ask that question, is this, is this hard or is this wrong? But you've got to ask yourself that question about everything like relationships, work, trips, like all everything. You're like, is this just super challenging or is it not the right time? Is it not the right thing? And so I, I get, I ask that a lot, but I, I'm willing to be, I'm willing to be honest. And so that honesty is what allows me to keep going or to genuinely stop. Thanks for listening to Hello Atelier. We hope you enjoyed this interview with Lizzie House. To see images of Lizzie in her workspace and with some of her quilting classes, check out our website, helloatelier.org. While you were there, explore episodes from past seasons. We visited artists from Alaska to England and beyond. Hello Atelier is produced by Phonicalia Media Network. If you love our show, you can help support us on Patreon with a small donation that helps keep us sponsor-free. Or simply subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. Also, don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram where you can live a little Hello Atelier every day. <laughs>